0: John Bloom here and you're listening to the Sun Solar Panel, which is much more informative and entertaining than listening to my solar panels, but not nearly as environmentally friendly.
1: Thank you everybody so much for joining in on the Sun Solar Panel, whether or not you are listening on the podcast or you are joining us now on YouTube Live. By the way, if you're on YouTube Live, we can see all your comments. Uh, if you have a really good question for the show, by all means, I will make sure that we get it in. Joining us today, Mr. Dave King, which Dave, by the way, great shirt you got on, buddy.
0: Yep, yeah, we got the Sun Solar Panel shirt straight hot off the presses.
1: I uh, And what
0: the hell are you wearing?
1: A uh, Nike shirt. I meant um, to Nike wear- ass shirt. I meant to wear it yes or er, on the show today, but I ended up wearing my solar panel shirt uh yesterday. So it did not happen. Anyway, Greg, he he is sick, so he is not joining us today.
0: Yeah. Sorry about that, Greg. Hope you feel better, buddy.
1: I tried to get Mr. John Bloom on the show last minute, but it turns out that a lot of guys uh are not awake at <laughs> six forty five in the morning on a Saturday.
0: We need to find these Coasters. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, when I thought about it, I almost, uh, I almost hit up Steve Kyler, but I didn't quite think that the show content uh, w- he would have been a good uh, in oh, a good place for. He would have been
0: it. a good example of a of a national media person who might have a different opinion of the Suns' off season than we do.
1: Yeah, well, that is uh, that is very true. So oh. <laughs> you can always and, try.
0: We can bring him on second half.
1: Yeah and in normal fashion we recorded the show the last episode on Wednesday and uh, you know we spent probably 10 minutes talking about Kelly Oubre and then the second that we get none, and <clears> I, <throat> I upload that shit to the to the fucking podcast
0: yeah uh, <laughs> there's the there's the signing
1: <laughs> there's the signing um ended up being two years 30 million 144 in his first year 15.6 in his second dave what do you think uh, what do you think the hole that was
0: it goes the other way it's the bigger number in the first year smaller number in the second year so that actually works out really well for the suns they 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 give him all the money this year when they the, uh, actually it's all out of sarver's pocket because it's over the cap so it doesn't take away from anything else other than other than his pockets. Um, this year he gets 15 over 15, next year he gets under 15, which is uh, 14, four, 14 6 something like that. And then what that does is that lowers his cap hold just by a little bit, because the cap hold after two years is 150% of your salary number, which is still a lot. And it's still likely that if he doesn't play awesome, they're going to renounce him anyway, but if he does play great, he um, approaches near all-star or at least cult star status in Phoenix and the Suns wanna keep him for over 20 million a year or something like that, they can re-sign him uh, and they can go over the cap, but the cap holds 150%, which means the cap hold will be around 22 million. So not quite sure how it's gonna work out in uh, two years in the summer of 21. Depending on where the Suns are as a franchise. But it is nice to know that the Suns have flexibility in that summer of 21 when a bunch of stars are back on the market.
1: So, what do you think the holdout was? Do you think it was the number of years? Do you think it was yeah. the dollar amount? Do you pretty think? Sure, sons-
0: yeah, I'm pretty sure uh, the Suns thought that he was worth in the 12, 13 million range a year for a longer contract. I'm also pretty sure the Suns did not want to go longer if they didn't have to. Um, you really don't know. We had we had what uh, 40 games with Kelly Oubre this year. That's it. And coming into that uh, stretch, and he only had a dozen or so as a starter. So coming into that stretch, Kelly Oubre was a super sub, and you don't want to pay a super sub 15 to 18 million dollars a year. Nobody does. So I'm sure the Suns were more comfortable with the 10 to 12 million. But they'd already recently gotten uh, quote-unquote burned on the TJ Warren signing. And I don't mean burned as if they overpaid TJ Warren. They actually didn't. That was a good contract for TJ. But he turned out to be uh, less valuable than they hoped he would become uh, with around Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. Kelly Oubre, if he never starts making over 32% of his threes, then he's unlikely to justify a long-term 15 to $18 million a year contract that he was probably asking for. So they compromised. They compromised in that they gave him the salary he wanted for two years. And now at 25 years old, he gets to be unrestricted free agent and the sons have his bird rights. So everybody wins in this regard. I I see it as a win-win. It's a perfect contract. I'm shocked that the sons accomplished a perfect contract.
1: Uh, so Kelly Oubre, when he was with the Suns last season, he played 30 minutes a game, 17 points, one block, uh, steal and a half, uh, assist and a half, five rebounds. He shot 76% from the free throw line, uh, 53% from two, 32% from three to your point. He's not a knockdown three-point shooter, but overall uh, really effective. The Best effective field goal percentage of his career came with the Suns at 51 and a half percent. Yeah,
0: no, and that and and it really all of his numbers went up when he was a starter for that 12 game stretch um, before he hurt his thumb and then sat the rest of the year. Uh, man, it was fun to watch the Suns during that stretch, though, wasn't it? And you got Kelly Oubre uh, being a slasher and a, and a hard nosed player so funny you look at him on instagram and off the court and all that and he looks like a pretty boy and he is about the prettiest boy in the league um but he gets on the court and he's nasty and he's he's tough and he plays guys physical um he does waver in his concentration a little bit that the Suns are going to want to work on but he is a really good complement to ayton and booker but if he never makes more than 32 percent on his threes consistently, it's going to be tough to justify a long-term dollars million-a-year contract, especially when the Suns could have better in two summers.
1: Well, that free agency class in two summers is, is pretty wild.
0: Yeah, because most of the guys who signed this summer went for two years, and then you already had some other guys like Giannis and guys like that available. And you know what? At some point, I mean, uh, somebody wrote that the 2017 All-Star Game, 17 of the 24 players in the all-star game in 2017 are on different teams now. Yeah, it's wild. And the Suns didn't get any of them. So (laughs) maybe if they can do this right and build the team right in two years, the Suns will be in in the conversation for some of these all-stars in two years. But you've got to be a better team. You can't go in winning 19 games and being on a four-season four streak of 24 or less wins. You can't do that and expect free agents. So actually it's interesting, James Jones has done some really good work this summer in lining up the Suns cap space to uh, better than max contract space right now uh, for 2021. So right. I think that's a really, really good opportunity for the Suns if they can get this right, move in the right direction, win a few more games, they can be in the conversation in two years.
1: Uh, We have a couple of questions from the guys on the YouTube chat. The first one is from Louis K. He says, with the signing of, re-signing of Ubre, where does Cam Johnson fit into the rotation? Oh,
0: he fits perfectly. You know what, Cam Johnson, you got to think about Cam Johnson. I mean, we haven't seen Cam Johnson play. So all of this is speculation, right? But you got to think about Cam Johnson, Johnson like a J.J. Redick. Like a shooter, a guy who's going to run off screens and just catch and shoot, and you know what? He's just a bigger JJ Reddick, so he's going to be a little bit more likely to actually be able to extend his arms and play a little bit of defense, even though his feet might not be very good. Um, he's going to play in a lot of big lineups, I, I imagine a lot of t- a lot of minutes where Cam Johnson's on the wing, and they're all alternating um, between him and another guy like Kelly Oubre or Mikel Bridges. With Devin Booker, with or without Ricky Rubio, with or without Tyler Johnson, uh, maybe going small sometime. Who who knows what they're going to do? But Cam is going to be out there. you got to think of him at this point like a J.J. Redick type, except super long where nobody's going to get nobody's going to stop him from getting a shot off. He's been he was if you watched any North Carolina tape, you can see that the dude is used to running around just like J.J. Redick off picks to get open for shots and Kyle <laughs> Korver. Kyle Korver is another example. Kyle Korver is not a great defender, but he's been on really good teams' rotations, in in big spots because he can shoot the rock.
1: Is it just me, but the more that I watch tape from Cam Johnson, the more I buy into the pick.
0: Sure. Well, one thing you're a Suns fan, (laughs) (laughs) and for another thing, I love I love his mental makeup. the The guy is, he's an old rookie. He's a veteran. He's played on winning teams. Um, And I've gotten a lot of feedback also on uh, Ty Jerome as well on being a a winner and being a guy who steps up in big moments. James Jones, for better or worse, and we'll see if it's for better. We don't know. It's too early to grade the draft. But he could have found some guys that nobody cares where they were taken in a few years. They're just glad they're on the team. As opposed to standing on the fact that this was a top four pick, this was a top eleven pick, this was a twenty, you know, twenty fourth pick. These guys can outplay their their pick status like a lot of guys do in the draft. People rarely remember where a dude went in the draft if he was so good. Now these guys are not all star caliber, but they're role players that every team would want. Hopefully, we'll we'll just have to wait and see.
1: Uh, Steve White on the YouTube chat, he says, "Here's a question for you guys." what or who do you think is the best contract we have in terms of trade assets going forward on the team? Um, I'd be hard pressed to think it's anybody but Tyler Johnson.
0: Sure, absolutely. Look, if the Suns, here's the thing. People say the Suns have lost future flexibility. Ben Rohrbach, I'm looking at you right now. I know you're listening to the solar panel because you just love the Phoenix Suns with all your heart. So I know you're listening to this. And uh, Ben's the one who gave the Suns an F because they didn't make themselves any better. Uh, In the offseason and they lost future flexibility, he says, by trading away a couple of second round picks that can be easily bought anytime we want. um, And by um, giving Rubio three years on a deal. Um, Rubio is the only guy besides Devin Booker who's on a deal longer than two years from now. He's the only one. So to say you're one of two longer term deals is a a flexibility breaker is ridiculous. But um, the question being, can you repeat the question, Tim? I was gonna go off on something. Again,
1: yeah, this is from Steve. He said, What or who do you think is the best contract that the yeah, Suns have right. in terms of trade assets going forward?
0: Right. So the best, right? So it all depends on the season coming up. Um, the the Suns actually have a lot of tradable contracts depending on how the guys are going to fit in the rotation. And the key is training the right ones. But obviously, Tyler Johnson is the most tradable contract. The the, the argument that the Suns lost flexibility. Is ridiculous because they have a $19 million expiring contract that they can trade for any other team's longer term contract that they want to get out of because A, they're rebuilding, or B, the guy just doesn't fit in their system, but he might fit in a different one. Um, you've got, I, I know it's been years and, years and years and years and years and years, and he's not really worth it anymore. Um, I would be stru- super hesitant to take on a Kevin Love type. But there are younger guys who make big money that could be available. You just saw 17 of the 24 All-Stars from the 2017 game are on new teams now. So there will be guys available in trade, and Tyler Johnson would be a great use of that. Also, he's expiring, so you just use your cap space next summer, although there's not many people on the market next summer
1: um to a couple guys points here in the youtube chat you know ayton is a pretty tradable contract uh devin booker i'm sure is a pretty tradable contract but Look, if you're going guy-
0: to get right 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 if you're going to go for a top five center and you and that guy is mid-career like 25 to 26 years old maybe you do consider trading Aton if he doesn't step up in the intensity department you certainly can but it's better heck well, it better be a guy you're going to keep around for half a decade at least.
1: There are very few centers, very few, uh, that I would consider trading Aiden for. Can I
0: please, please, please spend a couple of minutes saying not Steven Adams?
1: <laughs> yes, not Steven Adams. He's not one of them.
0: He's not one of those I would trade DeAndre Aiton for. No. And I know a couple of people have brought it up. I know they, and, and what I think is ridiculous and Greg texted us a dream sequence earlier that he wants Steven Adams next to DeAndre Oh, That's not going to work. Steven Adams is your center. So, and DeAndre Ayton is not a power forward. Why would you move a potential superstar to a different position and clog him with a dude who takes up the space he's comfortable taking? So, Steven Adams, please, he's not the guy you want in place of DeAndre Ayton going forward in the future. Steven Adams is a guy you want on a playoff
1: team today. That's it. Would you you trade Ayton for Cat?
0: Man, that's tough, isn't it? Because Kat's already there on all the money, and he still has questions about his continued intensity. But you know what? I'll tell you what. Ask me this question in a year, okay? <laughs> because I want to see DeAndre Aiden play with a point guard.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I, Ricky Rubio made Nikola Pekovic a $15 million a year player.
1: Oh, Peck was a uh, Peck was averaging uh, twenty and like twelve for a while for like two or three years. Or yeah, three years. but
0: a, a good deal of that was was Ricky Rubio getting him the ball in spots he could score. Peck was not a just ISO guy, create everything all on his own.
1: Uh, I do want to do a couple of house cleaning items right now. You guys that are watching on the YouTube chat, or if you are listening on the podcast right now, we do have sun solar panel shirts. Dave is wearing one. It looks great. They fit great. I really like them. Uh, the link is below. It's in the bio. So if you want to pick one up, uh, at SunsShirts.com. sunshirts.com, you can go there that way. Also, thank you so much to everybody that does uh, do a Uh, monthly subscription to the podcast. It really does help us out. We really do appreciate your support. This week, I wanna thank a listener, that is Zach Hensley, for his continued support for the podcast. If you guys wanna do a $1, a $5, or a $10 uh, monthly donation, the link's below, whether you're, again, on the YouTube or on the podcast. And if you do the $10 one, I will personally send you some sun swag.
0: Yeah, and let me talk about the subscription part um, for a second look you've you've got a choice here we've we've got to do we've got to have a reason to do this pod all the time. um other pods go crazy on the ads and you hear ads all pod long. Um, and some pods don't do any ads, but uh, you know you're you're in that panacea of perfect world where you can get by and and do your pod without any any income support. Um, and then or the other choice is to subscribe and the more you subscribe, the less you have to listen to our ads. You already have to Listen to Greg at the beginning and the end, but we don't really have tons of ads all the way through the show. Zach Lowe spends half of his pod doing ads. I mean, this is not something that that only losers do. This is a good thing. This is a good this is a good thing. So you have to listen to less ads during your pod. So yes. sign us up.
1: Um, so the talking about summer league, switching it over that for a bit. Uh, personally, I haven't watched enough of sun summer league really to have a great opinion on it, but I know that you've watched a lot more than, than I have Jalen Lecue, Uh, a lot of hype around this kid so far in summer league, 18 minutes a game, 8.8 points, 2.5 rebounds two assists, one steal, 45% from uh, the field, 20% from three. I know that Greg's not a huge fan. He he said that Jalen kind of reminds him of Archie Goodwin a bit your thoughts on the uh, Jalen Lequeu hype and whether or not that will actually translate to the regular season.
0: Yeah, that's a really good question. So let me start this off by talking about my recollection of Archie Goodwin. So I first started covering the Suns in 2012 and Archie Goodwin was drafted after they were gutting the team. Oh man, that locker room in 2012-13, by the way, that was just, that was a morgue um you've got Luis scola just shaking his head after every single game remember Luis? yeah we've got all these guys who just i have i don't know what's going on i don't know what's wrong i don't know and alvin gentry got fired halfway through the year after they had a terrible and then then you've got lindsey hunter being promoted that the whole thing was a big shit show um and so in the summer you got ryan mcdonough who just got hired and was supposed to turn over the team and one of his first draft picks after Alex Len was Archie Goodwin, a super athletic kid who didn't know how to play the game of basketball, but played okay at Kentucky. Um so he comes to summer league and he busted ass in summer league. I remember us calling Archie Goodwin Archie Godwin. Okay. So we loved, love, love, love Archie Goodwin in that first summer league. He looked like he knew how to play. He could attack the rim. He, he made 35, 40% of his threes. Somehow he never did that again. Um, he scored at will at the, at the basket. He drove, he did, he did everything you could possibly want from a rookie in that summer league because Alex Len was hurt. So that was the only rookie we had to look at. So there are some similarities to Jalen Um and Jalen Lecue didn't even really play that well. I mean, he only averaged about nine points a game and uh Um, only had one or two spots every game where he showed off his athleticism the rest of the time. He wasn't. Well, here's what I think. A we could be completely wrong about Jalen LeCue, and he could be another Archie Goodwin. Okay. He could even be worse than Archie Goodwin. That's possible. Let me just talk about some things I really like about the kid though. And it's not just about the scoring and the shooting. Uh, Jalen LeCue. I was watching him play. I'm getting a little bit better and better. I'm not a scout. I'm not a coach. I'm not a film guy. Um, so I, I always get stuck watching the ball like most fans. Uh, but sometimes I'm prescient enough to be able to step back, kind of unfocus my eyes and watch the entire play unfold and or watch individual other players who don't have the ball. So i watched a little bit of Jalen Lequeux this year. And what I what I noticed is that he actually does play physical on defense. He's not afraid of getting up into a dude and doesn't foul. I can't remember any time Jalen Lecue was called for a foul. In Archie Goodman's case, that means he wasn't anywhere close to his defense, his, his other guy. In Jalen ex, uh experience here, he was in a guy's grill all the time and didn't get called for the foul, which means he knows how to play good hard-nosed defense. He can affect the, the, the driver, the guy with the ball. Um, So I really liked that, and he didn't get lost on a bunch of backdoor cuts, which is, you know, hey, that's 90% of the Suns team the last six years was getting lost on on backdoor cuts because they kept watching the ball themselves. I mean, I I beat myself up over being a ball watcher as a fan. These Suns players are all ball watchers too, (laughs) so um, I did really like that Jalen LeCue stayed within his assignments and, and played okay on the defensive end. Which is unusual for a 19-year-old who's never played above high school ball. So there are there are small signs that Jalen LeCue could be really good. However, he didn't show a ton of court vision um, for passing, and he did not take over any of the games. And his shot is super inconsistent. You'd like have to get a shot doctor with him to straighten out his shot. Like, could he become a brand new shooter in the pros? Absolutely. There are guys who learned how to shoot after they got to the pros. But uh, he's going to have to learn a lot to be really good. And if all he is is a driver and a slasher, then he's going to have limited future.
1: In terms of the Suns' point guard rotation, where does he fall in?
0: Um, right now, he's like fifth. So you've got – I mean, even if – even if you put Tyler Johnson over behind Devin Booker as the combo guard, shooting first shooting guard, first guard off the bench, which I think he will be, assuming the Suns' uh, roster doesn't change and Tyler stays with the team – He's the first guy off the bench, okay? Um, for a ball handler type role, he's either right behind Rubio or right behind Booker. Even if you slot him over behind Booker, you've still got um, you've still got Elia Kobo, Javon Carter, and Ty Jerome, who was a first round pick ahead of him behind Ricky Rubio. So Lecue is at best fifth on the point guard depth chart right now.
1: Stay tuned. <laughs> Hi, my name is Tyler Uless, and you are listening to the Solar Panel, a Phoenix Sun show. You put up a piece on Bright Side of the Sun, and a lot of this was was based off of a report that Gambo said that uh, somebody asked him, are the Suns done really for the offseason, or are they still trying to fill any gaps? And Gambo replied that the Suns are still looking to sign a third string power forward. So over on Bright Side of the Sun, you have a really great article where you kind of talk about some of the uh, uh, veteran Third string power forwards are still available in free agency, and you kind of compare that to, uh, you know, uh, Marquis Chris and Dragan Bender and some of those guys. It's a really good read. I suggest everybody go over to Bright Side of the Sun and read it. A couple of the names that you threw out, though, Kenneth Reed, Jonas Shrebko, Amir Johnson, and Luke and Bob Mute.
0: Yeah, so I don't know what James Jones is looking at for a third power forward, but let's the only the the shallowest spot still on the team is power forward right now. You've got only Dario Saric, who is the best in my opinion. Talking about Dario first for a second, Dario is the best in my opinion, best power forward we've had since Amari Stoudemire. I'm going to put him ahead of Marquise. Uh, Marquise Morris, just because I want to, I want to pretend that that era never existed. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to put Dario in there and I'm going to say he is the best power forward, the sons have had Hadson Stoudemire. That's nine years ago. Um, however, he can only play 30, 35 minutes at best if he's playing really well. So you've got to have backups and I'm not convinced about Frank Kaminsky, by the way, I know. Um, Frank has four years in the league and all that. But I don't see him being a whole lot better than Dragon Bender was or even Ryan Anderson. I'm seeing shades of Ryan Anderson in this Frank Kaminsky signing. Luckily, he doesn't cost as much as Ryan Anderson did. And I'm still crossing my fingers. I have not seen the contract come out yet. but I'm still crossing my fingers that Kaminsky has a second-year team option on his contract. I've heard whispers that that might be true, but you don't know anything until the contract's in, the, in with the league. Um, so you got to get another power forward out there. I don't know what James is looking for. Is he looking for a young backup? If he is, then why not just bring back Ray Spaulding? Right. I'd, l- I'd rather have Ray Spaulding than Dragon Bender. Dragon Bender, Marquise Chris, by the way, are still unsigned for the 2019-20 season, and they were top eight picks just three years ago. Check Diallo is also out there. Um, he was recently released by the Pelicans. He's very similar to the bender and Chris kind of thing, except he was taken a lot lower in the draft, but he's got the athletic skills. He's got potential. He's got He's a better rebounder than either of those guys, um, but he's really inconsistent. He doesn't have much of an offensive game. So why not just bring back Ray Spalding if you're going to do that? However, I think they could possibly get Ray Spalding on a two-way if nobody else signs him to a straight deal. Uh, the Suns are looking for two ways. They never got T- Tariq Owens on the court, I don't think at all, this week in summer league. So it would be a total um projection to put um uh Tariq owens who they i thought had the inside track to a two-way as as a as athletic forward type um for next year so maybe ray spalding does that i don't know that you need to give ray spalding the whole the full contract um <clears throat> so you could also go with a veteran and as tim said I just looked at, I pulled up a couple of sites that showed the best remaining power forwards. There are other guys out there besides these four. There certainly are. But these are the ones who were listed as the best available big men. And likely at this point, no NBA teams have much more than the minimum. So these guys will all be signing minimums, and they're probably looking for minutes. They're probably looking for opportunities. And I'm just saying the reason I went down the depth chart first is I think that – Sharich uh, can play maybe 30 minutes a game, and so you got 18 right there available every single night, and it should be pretty easy for any of these veterans to beat out a Frank Kaminsky. So you've got Kenneth Fareed, who has been around a long time. He played with the Rockets that last year in the playoffs and stuff. He's he's good and bad. He didn't play for the Nets the rest of the year before mm-hmm. that. The Nets were too good to, to, for him to get on the court. So he's not he's not a guy who's going to take over. And he certainly doesn't have any kind of offensive game other than uh, pick and roll finishes and, and open court stuff and
1: all that. He, uh, he also gets some uh, offensive rebounds.
0: He does. He gets um, last year. Yeah. He had. I mean, he had some, Oh, for his career. Okay. So I put in his career numbers per game, three a game is pretty darn good for offensive rebounds and the Suns could use that for sure. He also uh, uh, for his career averages eight rebounds a game in only 24 minutes. So, I mean, the guy is productive for his career, and he's only uh, 31, I
1: believe. On the offensive end, he is a, a pretty piss-poor defender.
0: Yeah, as a defender. See, for people who don't confuse rebounding with defense, he's a bad defender. He really is. And it's not, I'm not sure that's a good mix to put next to DeAndre Ayton. If you're going to put a bad defender next to Ayton, at least make him a three-point shooter so he can stretch the floor on the offensive end. Frank but, Kaminsky. Well, right. That's what they think they're going to get with Frank. I just hope Frank makes his shots. Jonas Jarebko is another guy. He actually could possibly uh, make some threes and stretch the floor. He um, is not a great lifetime high-volume three-point shooter, but he has for and made 36% over his career. Jarebko played with the Golden State Warriors last year and um, had a couple of nice shots against the Suns at one point, but wasn't much of a player in their rotation. Once it came to crunch time, Amir Johnson uh, was with the Sixers last couple of years and his role diminished. His role disappeared. He's pretty gassed. Yeah. So he's getting up there in age and he was all athleticism. So as soon as he loses, he loses it. And then you've got Luke Mbamute, who two years ago with Trevor Ariza made Houston one of the best perimeter defensive teams in the game as a as a guy who played power forward he shared that with trevor ariza which is why i thought trevor could play power forward last year see what we talk ourselves into
1: well and and pj tucker as well like him sure. and him and him and tucker would really have the front court a lot of the times over with the rockets
0: yeah um lucas is, is big he's six eight but he's got long arms he's a he's, he's got a thick body and he's got really good feet for playing defense he doesn't do a whole lot else he doesn't rebound much he doesn't score much he doesn't do a whole lot but he would be a nice he could be, if he got healthy, a nice energy guy, but he's he's the most likely to sign with a playoff type team with a chance for a bigger role.
1: So uh, a lot of people also talking about Amari Stoudemire. That has been mm-hmm. the chat among Suns Twitter as of late, the beautiful and wonderful place that is Suns Twitter.
0: If you thought Ray, or excuse me, if you thought Ryan Anderson was a statue out there, geez, guys. Amari Stoudemire is not Amari Stoudemire anymore. He's some dude who looks like Amari Stoudemire. He's not the same guy. He's not going to be okay. He's not going to be good. He's not even going to be
1: passable. What did seven teams came out to watch him in a Monte Ellis?
0: Well, sure, because they were already in Vegas. What else are you going to do? All the all the 30 front offices were in Vegas. waiting, Looking around for something to do, getting tired of watching summer league that this year more than any year in in years past that I've been associated with Summer League um, has had the fewest first round picks, the fewest exciting players, the fewest second year returning players that I've ever seen. There was literally um, a Summer League of days gone by, which was just the hangers on trying to prove themselves that they can make it. Basically, when you've got the open scrimmages at the NBA Draft Combine, they have scrimmages. And they're awful basketball, but they give you a chance to see guys in game situations. They aren't currently on an, on a roster and you might decide to draft the guy because of that. That's the NBA combine summer league was like that this past week where it was just a bunch of guys who aren't really in the league or barely trying to prove to their team that their non-guaranteed contract should be fully guaranteed or whatever it is, or trying to earn a two-way. Um, so the, Back to Omari, the front offices were looking for something to do. I don't think Amari would have gotten gotten seven teams to come watch him in August if he was doing a workout in LA. <laughs>
1: uh, it it does it does bring back the possibility that the Suns could sign him and he, and he could retire a Sun. I do know that there is a faction of Suns son, fans out there that would like to see that.
0: Oh, that's fine. That's fine. Sign him for a one-day contract right now before you've actually found your third power forward. Yes, that's fine. They're doing nothing right now. Why not? Put him so, in uniform, take a picture, and then rescind the contract.
1: <laughs> David said you had something on uh, Jalen like you wanted want to talk about.
0: Yeah, so with Jalen, um I I was it when he got interviewed this week, or maybe it was another, I don't, I forget where I saw it, but apparently, um At the NBA Draft Combine, they have two days worth of scrimmages for the guys who are trying to play. And of course, the best prospects don't play in those scrimmages. It's guys who are trying to prove that they're worth drafting.
1: Hey, let me just say, too, that that is really hard to do, to play with a bunch of guys and any sort of system that you have never played with before.
0: Oh, absolutely. It's like pickup. It's like Sunday pickup and all these different dudes.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, the thing about Sunday pickup is at least for me, I've been playing with these same guys for like a year and a half. So at this point, you know, everybody's game. At least you played with them two or three times. You have a pretty good idea of what they're going to do. These scrimmages that they put these kids in, they're playing for contracts for real money with guys that they've never played with before.
0: Right. And they're trying to look good and they're trying to decide, do I make the right play or do I make the me play? And that's a real tough thing to do. So you've got a little bit more structure in the summer league and these games this past week. But really, the NBA combine, that's two days of scrimmages for um, fringe guys who are trying to prove their value in the draft. And the story I heard was that Jalen LeCue played the first day only. And he was was kind of a mixed bag. Like uh, some teams were like, oh, that was a good showing. Let's see how he does tomorrow, you know. But he suddenly decided not to play day two. And nobody knew why he wasn't going to play day two. Now it certainly seems that the Phoenix Suns loved what they saw of Jalen LeCue on day one. And they, if not multiple teams, um, talked Jalen into like hiding himself for the rest of workout season. Although he did do a bunch of pre-draft workouts, he did not do any more in front of all 30 teams at once. So he said he did um, seven or eight or more pre draft workouts and uh, was really surprised when the Suns were the ones who called and offered the guarantee contract as soon as he didn't get drafted. You can now play the solar panel hands-free. Just say to your Amazon smart speaker, Alexa, play podcast Sun Solar Panel. Who knew Alexa was good for more than just setting kitchen timers?
1: Uh, James Jones, really loved the job he's been doing. Uh, I, I, I guess I will say, that if you get on the uh, phoenix sun's facebook pages the twitter everyone's talking a whole lot of uh, a whole lot of smack about the job that james jones has done this offseason but if you go ahead and you look at uh the team that they are starting out with this year with rubio being the lead guard devin booker um Uh, uh, Charich at the power forward, Aiton, obviously Kelly Oubre, uh, even coming off the bench. If you look at a couple of those guys, Mikel Bridges, Tyler Johnson, that this team is a whole lot better. Um, The West is a bit more balanced, which uh, isn't Doesn't necessarily bode to there being a lot more wins, but at the same time, it's more balanced in ways where you have teams with two stars rather than one. Also, you look at the Houston Rockets, if you believe that that backcourt pairing between uh, Westbrook as well as James Harden is going to work out. I personally don't. I think that there's some winnable games there. If you look over at the Clippers, where you have Kawhi Leonard and you have Paul George, Paul George isn't actually going to play for the first part of the season. The Lakers, all right, they have Anthony Davis and LeBron James. The Suns are probably going to lose those games. But at the same time, they don't have any depth anywhere else on the roster. So while the West has quote-unquote gotten better, a lot of these teams are more beatable. You don't have those, those absolute powerhouses like you did before with Golden State Warriors. Um, the East definitely does didn't get better. I think that the East took a bit of a step back. Even the top teams in the East didn't get any better. So there is a possibility of the Suns being a much better team this year, and everybody on Suns Twitter and Suns Facebook that says that this is a garbage-ass team coming into the season, I just really, really disagree.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point, Tim. And you know, what I I go back to is that 2013-14 season, the Suns came into the season expected to win 20 or fewer games, In the season and they won 48 and you know what all that matters is whether you have a good team or not. And you're going to win your share of games. No, I don't think the Suns are going to be in the playoffs. I really don't. Nobody does. I don't think any of the most optimistic people who would actually talk about it for a little bit um, would would say that they really think the Suns can do this uh, to make the playoffs. No. But I think the Suns could be a lot more exciting and a lot more fun to watch and win 30-35 games. Um, and win 35, 30 or 35 games is almost doubling their win total from last year. That's huge. So if you talk about teams in terms of uh, dramatic improvement to last year's record, the Suns have to, are going to be in that conversation. I just totally believe that. And I did not believe it last year. Remember, I was the one who was saying not all of us were, I know all of us were, but I was a little bit more skeptical than the two of you guys on saying the Suns have win less than 30 games. I was saying 25 um, if they didn't get a point guard, but all they needed was a point guard even last year. And even last year, if the Suns had Tyler Johnson all year long, all year long in last year's West, they would have been, um, they would have been um, a 30-35 win team. Just Tyler Johnson. And now they have Ricky Rubio with Tyler Johnson coming off the bench, plus um, a much more um, realistic team, a much better team. Darn it. I thought I had a special guest for us.
1: You know what's funny? So I actually I'm I'm not going to give it away in the show because everybody that's watching on the YouTube right now, I don't want to disappoint them with uh, with who it was going to be. But I actually hit him up uh, earlier this morning to see if he could come on. Uh, But he, he couldn't because he likely wasn't awake. (laughs) <laughs> at the time but we'll we'll try and get him on soon. uh met him out in Vegas total fanboy over it. it was really awesome to meet him. I have so much respect uh for him and we'll have to just try and get him on soon then
0: yep absolutely we'll we'll get we'll get more special guests um throughout the summer to talk about what they think of the suns this coming season and uh, um we'll you know that's what we do every single summer we analyze this thing to death uh but I absolutely think that um i absolutely think that that we have a great chance to improve dramatically this next year and we're not even counting on the dudes on the summer league roster for the first time in five years
1: so i want to do a series coming up on the show where we analyze the suns at backcourt and the frontcourt and compare that to basically every other team uh out in the west and and try and delve into where they rank with, uh, you know, the individual uh, combinations of positions. So I think that we're going to have to do that or something along those lines during August. Also, if you guys have any ideas for August content, because there ain't nothing going on, by all means, please share it.
0: So we've been we've been talking about having more segments on the show over the year, but we always end up just ranting and ranting and ranting and not actually doing a whole lot of really pre-planned segments. Do we also, Tim, want to spend the summer uh, breaking down some of the most commonly used
1: advanced stats so that we can bring them up? Something that we were supposed to do like over the last six months, but just didn't. (laughs) Yeah,
0: Um, because it is good to bring them up, but it's really good to know what they are in context. Um, So when people talk about things like VORP and PIPM and things like that, we should know what they mean. And in the context of what they mean and what they don't mean. So uh, we'll also start a series over the summer to help our guys get a little bit smarter. Our followers... And hold on.
1: this is really just for Greg. No, it's, it's
0: for like, all of us. It's for don't,
1: everybody. Don't sugarcoat it. This is so Greg can keep up with the conversation.
0: Well, no, but there are, all, there are also people who overvalue these stats too. They think they know them and they overvalue them. And I want to make sure that we know the context of all these stats and where they're limited in what they say about a player
1: my favorite my favorite part of stats is that you can find basically any individual stat that'll support your argument
0: absolutely. And that's <laughs> that's part of the battle is is trying to find that stat that helps you this slice of, of like 12 games as a starter is when he showed us he was an all-star caliber player.
1: <laughs> yeah, he has a really great box plus minus. He's shooting 37% from the field, but that box plus minus. Uh, there, there's a new defensive stat that came out recently that I'm a little bit intrigued with. And I got into a a, a Twitter debate with somebody about it. And it's interesting the, the way that the mathematics of it, um, uh, part of it, part of it is, Is real. The problem with defense and trying to measure those stats is, and you guys watching on YouTube right now, or you know, Dave King, uh, uh, back when you used to actually play ball, is let's say someone's trying to back you down in the post, right? And you don't let them get to their position, so they pass out. Well then, the the person that gets credited for the uh, uh, defense, whether or not the person made the shot or didn't make the shot, is is the person that was guarding the guy that had the ball that was passed out to. How do you measure the guy that didn't let the shot go off? And yeah. that's that's the hard part about measuring defensive stats, and it's it's it's. The new stat that came out is really interesting in a way where it tries to cover a lot of things, but it still doesn't measure that. Now, somebody did mm-hmm. point out that you could look at um, opponents' average shot attempts versus a certain player and whether or not that consistently goes down when they have that player guarding them. And that's an interesting way to measure defense as well. But hopefully we can delve into this defensive but stat. Like you that came- say,
0: that's only when the guy actually takes the shot.
1: Well, if you were measuring the – so let's say you had P.J. Tucker and uh, players on average took three less shots than they do per game every time they played P.J. Tucker, right? You could measure defense sort of in that way. Um, But how do you measure defense if the the defense intentionally forces a shot, a mid-range, semi-open shot? But that's what the defense is trying to do. Uh, do you discredit the person that was defending that mid range shot when really that's what they were trying to get the the opponent to shoot? It's, it's hard.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that's why a lot of these stats are just stuck with the counting stats that we've all seen and they're just doing, they're putting them together in different ways. So, okay. Um, So we'll spend some more time on advanced stats over the summer as well. We won't kill you on those things. We'll, uh, we'll try to cap it at only a few minutes at, at a time because advanced stats put people to sleep as well, the more you talk about them. So, but um, that's what I hope we can get into as well over the summer.
1: All right, well, fun episode, guys. Thank you everybody for listening to the podcast, joining in on the YouTube. Again, if you do want to get a Suns Solar Panel shirt, the same one that Dave has on right now, it's in the show notes below, or you can go to sunsshirts.com. If you want to support the podcast, the support the podcast button is in the show notes below as well. Uh, thanks again to Steve White for supporting the show every single week uh month and we will be back this coming wednesday for a live episode on youtube at 7 p.m arizona time